and welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. Right, um, welcome back to the podcast. This week's guest is Andrew Cushion, who is a singer-songwriter from Newcastle. Um, he's only been gone. He's... 23 year old, yeah, I'm now. Is that correct? I am, I am, man. I'm 23. Thank you very much for having us on, by the way. It's going to be good. We'll have a laugh. Yeah. So, I mean, what I do at the, at the start, I like to kind of get back to what life is like for like, a young Andrew Cushion, where he grew up and what, what things were like and how he started off. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I was brought up in the East End of Newcastle. Um, I was always into football. I did, music didn't really interest me. I thought anybody who played the guitar at a young age was a little bit odd, to be honest. Mm. Um, so, yes, I was. It just used to play football, kicking about, pinching clothes off people's shopping trolleys, just your, your typical council estate moron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I've yeah, just worked myself. And then as I got a little bit older, um, we, we, we moved house um, to a little bit more of a quieter area. And, uh, and because there was no bands kicking about, um, rather than sit and play on the fucking Xbox or something like that all day, I, I, I just decided to play the guitar. My dad always had a guitar lying around. Um, I think he learned it years prior. He could probably play fucking Wonderwall and that was about it. But, uh, mm-hmm. but he always had a guitar lying around. So I, I just kind of picked it up and, and just became obsessed with it, I suppose is the right word. And then when I was, I was about 16 and then a few months later, I've learned a couple of chords. I wrote my first song. Uh, but I was never, again, I was I was never doing it because I had a love of music or anything. Like Obviously, I was interested in the guitar, and I, you know, brought up on like Oasis and all that kind of stuff. And Paul Weller, my dad was a, like a big sort of Paul Weller fan, so I always knew of music. But I was never, I was always football for me. But I just started writing songs purely to pass the time. And so, as I say, it was like it was never a conscious thing of I'm going to write these songs and hopefully one day I can go out and perform them that was just never a you know I, I, I really really wasn't asked I know that sounds terrible coming from somebody who now makes a living out of it but first song I ever written was uh it was there uh, waiting for the rain which was the song that got us a record deal and the song that kickstarted that full career and when I go back and I wrote that song it was just to pass the time do you know what I mean I, I really wasn't asked about any of it and then as we kind of grew so 18 uh, so I've been playing the guitar for a couple of years and then skint didn't have a, didn't have any money me, me mom got us my first ever gig it was a little covers gig and then i think by gig number two or three lee who's now my manager he came in um and he said that i had something whatever that fucking something is we're still yet to find out <laughs> and um and yeah and it in the ball started rolling from there he sent some songs he sent a demo to to noel and then Noel put her in touch with the uh, with, with the record label, and we've we've been full time from then. So it's a bit of a I, I say that story incredibly lethargic, and it's like you know not yeah. us and all that, but it is a pretty mental story, you know. And I think one of the beautiful things of that story is it's um it's different to everybody else's, you know. And I think one of the things I've maybe got going for us a little bit is um all, all of the best artists, all of the um defining artists they've all got their own individual story do you know what i mean not 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 one of them made it the same as the next one so obviously oasis is the king touch thing the arctic mountains have got their own story you know it, so i think everybody with the individual stories goes on to do pretty well so hopefully dare i say it we could be one of them but we'll see again 
I didn't give a fuck about music till I was 18. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny, man. It's amazing, really, like a whirlwind journey like that. A lot of, I've seen a lot of people kind of say that you, you've been lucky throughout your career, but I see a different way. Obviously, you, you might have had lucky situations, but you've had to have the talent and the, the hard work to to kind of take these opportunities. Um, so see, like, um, gigging in Newcastle, obviously, he says that you met you met Lee through that. Um, firstly, what, what was the, the music scene like in Newcastle then? Um, it's not even that long ago, to be fair. Obviously, Sam, um, he's, he's obviously doing his own thing now. Uh, he's fly, but he's, he's, there's been a lot of hype about, there was a lot of hype about him years ago anyway, particularly mm-hmm. in the northeast. Outside of him, I, I couldn't name another artist. I really couldn't. I thought the music scene, personally, I thought it was quite poor, to be honest. Um, I mean, the, the last I can kind of remember was maybe like Maximal Park and the Future Heads and then... Yeah, yeah but even then, that, that was, you know, 15, 20 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. If, if, if we're going back to, to when I got signed in 2018, it was only, it really was only Sam Fender. It maybe was a band called The Pale White as well. Um, but yeah, yeah that... that, yeah, that, that that, that that wasn't a great deal, sort of coming out. Obviously now, five years down the like sort of down the road, Sam's doing St James's Park. I'm doing pretty well. There's loads of great up and coming bands. So it's it's definitely a um, city on a lot of people's lips now. I think, which is good. But uh, yeah, I think the football side's got a big big part to play in that. Um, obviously, Sam doing so well's played a big part in it. Um, yeah, it's it's making Newcastle a, a trendy place again. Yeah, Which, it all uh, seems to be clicking into place at the ones. Yeah, well, you know what? I've, I've 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 said it in a few interviews. Like, I honestly think Newcastle in the next five, ten years could be, dare I say it, like sort of Manchester was in the nineties. Do you know what I mean? Where we're producing the best football, the best music, the best looking people, best nightclubs, <laughs> fucking everything, the world's greatest accent. Um, but I so it's it's. It's definitely becoming um, a much better music scene. Uh, obviously, so we touched on Lee as well. And, I mean, he, he kind of passed that off. He, 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 he kind of introduced you to Noel. How, how did Lee, what was the relationship with Lee and Noel? Yeah, so... Fucking hell, that's if I, I actually don't even know, to be truthful. I know that Lee and Noel met each other years ago. Um, they obviously stayed in touch. I knew Lee from coaching anyway, so I used to be a football coach when I was still playing and all that. And Lee was a coach at the same club. And um, in in that gig that he came and watched us, it I think he had just left the club, and I was still there. But I hadn't seen him in ages anyway. And I see, and I knew he was a big Oasis fan. I didn't know that he had this sort of connection with all or anything like that. And I just texted him and said, "Listen, do you fancy come for a couple of pints?" I'm playing this gig. And he went, what do you mean a fucking gig? And I went, no, 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 I'm singing. And he just, he came down just to take the piss, really. Um, and then obviously, voice of a Geordie Angel and all that kind of stuff. He fucking, he nearly fell off his chair. And, um, and then, yeah, and then it, we, we started talking a little bit. Again, there was no talk of like managing or anything like that. And then a few, we- a few weeks down the line, he sent that demo to Noel. Noel enjoyed the song. And then he said, you know, I'd be interested in, sort of getting involved a little bit and to be fair it's been it's been it's been one of the best relationships I think I've ever experienced in terms of um like a sort of professional outfit because me and Lee are mates as well you know so 
I've speak I speak to some sort of musicians and some of them are really good mates and all that. And if I've managers for years and they'll say, Oh yeah, well, I get a phone call on a Wednesday just to ask how things are going. You know, me and Lee, I'll ring him and we'll go and watch a match together or we'll we'll go on the piss or yeah. something's going on, you know, that we're a little bit annoyed about then we can talk to each other. So it's it's been really good. I've, I've, he's um I, yeah, but we've we became really good friends out of it. Uh but then we're both we're both brand new to it, you know what I mean? So we're 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 learning on the job. Um, and it, and it, it's gradually getting better. But like this American trip and, you know, a few other bits that we've got planned for the end of the year and it's two nights at City Hall, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that without Lee and Lee wouldn't have been able to do that without me. Do you know what I mean? So I think we're both we're both getting the best out of each other, which is the most important thing. Yeah, that's brilliant. So obviously meeting Noel, um, he helped you record. Where's my family going? Um, so how how's that then? And I should always one of the most talented songwriters of our generation. You know what I mean? If not the most. Um, how how is that? And I should always something like that. You must need to punch yourself. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so we went and recorded in Rock in London, and um, he, he he produced it. We had the High Flying Birds play on it. It was just. I can think back to it properly now, but at the time it was like, I'd never really been in the studio before. If there's any musicians listening to this, I didn't even know how to play to a fucking click track. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was so naive and it was such early doors, but you know, having someone like Noel come in and he's almost been a little bit of a mentor in the years by, but like we've still got each other's numbers and there's a, we've got a WhatsApp group and we, you know, he gives us advice and he, he, so he's, he's still always been great. He's still always been great. And we're sharing a couple of festival builds with him this, this year as well. So it'd be good to see him. But in terms of that week recording, it was just surreal. It was surreal. But when I think back to it, that, you know, there was no, there was no arse slicking going on. There was no pestering about Oasis Pat or anything like that, you know, I was asking him if he was watching the match on the weekend and, you know, he was asking me if, if I had any siblings and it was, you know, it was just, yeah. it was just like normal sort of patter. But then obviously you'd, you'd switch the amps on and play the guitar or, you know, he'd done like the harmonies and stuff. And there was moments when like me and Lee would look at each other and go, fucking hell, you know, we're, we're doing something pretty special here. But it was great. It, it was an experience that shaped me um, musically. Like, you know, it, it, like sort of for the rest of my life you know if, if I didn't go into that studio and all I think I'd be five years behind in me sort of development now because I, I just learned in what one week with him I probably learned what I would have learned in five years on the road you know um just yeah su- such a such a strong character and um obviously incredibly sort of talented bloke as well mm-hmm. um I've, I read somewhere obviously like when you when you were recording this and you were kind of saying, well, how, how am I going to replicate this live? And I think Noel said, well, you're going to need to get a band together. Um, so how was that? How was that kind of finding a band? Yeah, well, I, I'd always done that one one man in the guitar thing. But like when I started, someone, one of my big inspirations was probably Jake Bug. But then people like sort of Bob Dylan and Neil Young as well. Anybody that could capture a crowd with one man in the guitar, I was fucking well into, you know. So when I went into Where's My, when I went to do Where's My Family Gone, yeah, I was like, I was worried on how I was going to, you know, I kind of do a guitar solo and play rhythm guitar and drums at the same yeah. time, you know what I mean? So Noel suggested putting the band together. 
Obviously, it was always going to have to happen anyway. But it was it was a tough one to find in the early days. I do have to say we had we've had a couple of changes. I've, I've got a lineup now that I'm immensely proud of and pleased with. Everybody works well together, and they're all incredibly talented musicians, and they're all a little bit older than me as well. So I'm like the fucking bairn in the group. Although I am often the most mature. I do have to say, the uh, drummer does need a hiding now and again. But uh, yeah, it's great. So I found two of them live in Nottingham. Um, one of them just lives down the road and the other one is coming to America with me, Rich. Uh, he's a cable player and he lives in Chester Lee Street, but he's like 35, 32. Right. He's probably going to hate, he's probably going to hate us saying that. I think he's only 31, but he's, he, he's, he's like the general of the band, so to speak. So like, um, like sound checks and all that. He's the one to high route the dressing room and make sure I'm on that stage. Uh, Lou. The drummer, he's mental. Tom's a great guitarist, and then uh, Michael, who plays the bass. So it's great. It's great. It was it was a tough one to find them, but um, I we all work well together, and we get on well with each other as well. Like if if there's any bands watching this, they'll know how important it is. And I've got a background of playing football, so it's like that locker room sort of like camaraderie yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it's so important to have that when you're on the road, especially if you're away. I'm away for two months. I I'd only want to spend it with them lads. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, 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 you don't want to be stuck with someone who's going to do your head in for six weeks or, or whatever. So having having people that you can get along well with and have got similar interests and all that, I think is a really important thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few kind of similar acts at, at the moment kind of gone the same way, like Jamie Webster, um, Louis Dunford down in London as well. Um, I heard you, met, you, you were talking about Jamie Pollockin a podcast as well, obviously. I had Jamie yeah. Pollock on one of yeah. my very early episodes and he kind of went the other way, obviously, when Vida broke up and then mm. he went solo, but it didn't seem to work. It didn't seem to last. And now he's kind of disappeared from music entirely. So. Yeah. He was, I, I've, I've, I think I've met him once. He's a great lad. I've, I've, we, um, we were going to do something with Vida in the early days, if I remember rightly, because I, I used to fucking love that band. And I love Jamie as well, actually. I think he's a really good songwriter. He's a really nice guy. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. Listen, going back to what you said before, I think you need a lot of luck. You do need a lot of luck. And there is a lot of people out there that say that I've been immensely lucky and all that. But you made a good point. It's like luck will only get you so far. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, yeah, it was lucky that the guy who now manages is new Noel Gallagher, but it's not luck that he liked the fucking song. And it's not luck that he thought I was talented. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, you I mean, can no, flag. No must get, no must I'm I'm just starting virtually and I get fucking hundreds. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. my manager gets hundreds as well. So God knows what he must get. Or God knows what people like that must get. So say it's luck. Listen, you can blag your way into a, um, like a major record label's office, you can you, you can blag it sometimes, and we did in the in the fir- in the start. We 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 blagged away in Virgin EMI completely, but when I sat down in front of the fifteen people there and I had to perform for them, you kind of blag that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that and then and then that's what they sign you off. They don't sign you off the look. So for anybody that says I've been immensely lucky, um, you know, I'd I'd, I'd agree to an extent, but I'd also like to back myself and think that I've got enough talent to to, to try and do something. You know. Yeah, you, you take the chances and you need to have the the right mindset and the, you need to have the full package to get there. Obviously, in these kind of seven, seven or eight years, I mean, we've had like a couple of years of COVID pandemic stuff like that that 
how how did that affect you? Did that do you think that helped in order to kind of um... well, I, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was I was only just starting when that when that happened. So we just signed the deal. Um, we'd done a gig. We'd done my first ever headline in Newcastle, a place called the Clooney, which is about three hundred tickets, and that and that sold out in about three days or something like that. And I was like, fucking hell, we've just sold three hundred tickets in Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? It was such a huge milestone. Because we had never gigged in Newcastle, we hadn't even done a support slot there apart from little pub gigs. So the fact that we built enough hype uh, to sell that many tickets was amazing. So we'd just done that, and then I think I'd done a little mini tour, um, and then yeah, and then the lockdown came straight away. So it, it it halted my development massively. I was just beginning to learn my craft and all that kind of stuff. But I recorded the song with all in the lockdown, and you know I I, I fucking dare I say I, I got into a little bit of modelling as well, and I started doing <laughs> my whole fucking. What did uh, blue blue steel? I started doing all my stupid smiles and all that kind of stuff. So I do, I, I I potted on with other bits. Um, listen, it's it's no coincidence that the people who who um have have found a lot of success after lockdown are the people that worked all the way through it. So you look at bands like the Lathams, who were constantly doing um you know like the lives and they were doing online ticketed events and they were posting on socials every day, and then you look at bands that done fuck all and sat on their ass and never and the majority of them aren't even together anymore. So we were trying to just work as much as we can. So we were doing things with brands. I was writing a shitload. Uh, so we'd done the stuff with Noel, which. Aside from the re- the recording, it gave a three month of social content. You know what I mean? Of things to put on, yeah. which is such an important part of of of, of music now. Um, so I it, I didn't mind it as much as as much as the next person because I was I was constantly trying to work and write. And obviously, if it wasn't for lockdown, Noel probably wouldn't have had the time off to to you know go and record a, a, a song for us. So. Because everybody was sat in the house, I was able to live one of my fucking dreams. <laughs> so I thank those people. So that, I mean, that tour you were talking about, is that the tour with the Ks? Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm we done. I'm trying to get them on. I think they're coming on shortly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the sound lads, he's 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 a he's a tune fan, Jamie. He's a good lad. Um, I've I've been to a few matches with his dad. But um yeah, I think we done in fact, I still remember them. We've done Liverpool, Nottingham, in Glasgow, but the last song was in Liverpool. And um, and I remember going in the crowd after the gig and standing watching the kids, and I think I was getting leathered. And um, and there was a lad there who I knew anyway. He was in another band. And I went to go over and shake his hand, and he started doing, like, the elbow thing. Do you know when everyone used to touch elbows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just when people started getting a little bit freaked out by the whole COVID situation. And I, I remember looking at him, what the fuck are you doing? And he's going, no, 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 it's COVID, mate, it's COVID. I'm not going to do a Scouse accent because I'll massively embarrass myself, but he's in for <laughs> It's COVID, lads, it's COVID, it's COVID. And I was going, mate, man, fuck what the hell's the matter with you? And he's going, mate, lockdown's coming, lockdown's coming. That was Harry, that, by the way. And, um... <laughs> and I, I think everyone thought he was just, you know, off his head. And then obviously two days later, we were all stuck in the house. So uh, it was it was mad. But it, it was just so sudden, wasn't it? It was so sudden. Yeah. And I think it's obviously I'm, I'm only 23 now. I was only 21 when we were in lockdown. Probably 20 when it first started. Um, it, it, it's something obviously that I've never experienced. But then it's stuff that like me mom, who's you know, in our 40s and like, even like me nana and granddad and stuff, it was stuff that even they had never seen before. So I think it was just a new thing for everyone. So especially the first lockdown, nobody knew how to cope, did they? Yeah. And then obviously by the second and the third, it was just kind of taking the piss a bit. It was, I mean, it's, it was a bane in my life for that, elbowing and stuff like that, man. That freaks me out. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, 
it was a bit fucking odd, I do have to say. Like, the, the whole masks thing done, it, I mean, there was people in my family who I'm now ashamed of because they were uh, setting up, you know when everyone used to make their own masks? Mm-hmm. And you'd see people walking around and they'd have like fucking, I don't know, fucking Star Wars mask on and then you'd have like a guitar mask on. And it, I think my nana had about 35 of them. She used to just buy them willy-nilly. She had like a fucking Remembrance Day one and then she'd have like a, doing the dishes one and then if it was just honestly man it, it was just ridiculous people would sit and make money off making masks and you think we shouldn't even be wearing them in the first place you know no, no. ridiculous um so then you signed to pete doherty's label strap originals yeah uh, pete doherty obviously the name of the podcast time for heroes he's obviously mm. a, i'm a big fan of the libertines um how was it signing for for that label and what's kind of what's the differences between Strap Originals and obviously the, the deal with Virgin? Oh yeah, we have I, I listen, everybody who was in music or even anybody with a little bit of sense will know that an independent label isn't going to have the financial gains that a major record label does because it's independent and it's major. So that's so that was a big thing. So first I was a bit worried that I might have to potentially go back to work. This was when I first got released. This was before I signed for Peter's label. And I made the decision, no, I'd just keep on gigging um, and, and making some money that way. So obviously work now is not 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 an issue at all. But at the time, that was a little bit worrying. But then we'd done a gig. It was the first gig out of lockdown. It was at the Riverside in Newcastle. And it was supporting Peter. Um, and I was main support. But, but I remember he came up the stairs and there was another band on who he signed anyway. And we just had a little bit of a back and forth. It was just a little bit of a yap. And I was being your typical, just got out of lockdown on the piss. You know, missed me 21st and everything in the lockdown. So I was like, just pleased to be back out. So I was probably a little bit irate, a little bit spunky and jumping about. And uh, and we just kind of had a laugh. And then when I'd done the gig, I was I remember I was playing. And the story goes that I was playing, uh, I think I was playing one of me, I was playing some tune. And Pete heard it from the dressing room and ran down the side of the stage mm. and stood at the side of, of, of the stage to watch the rest of the gig. He must have, I was speaking to his manager and he said, apparently he sat there and I know the fox is kid and went down to see us. Um, and I've turned to the side and I've, I've I've seen him there and he's like clapping along and go on, son. It was great. And we've done three shows with him. First show, I was speaking to Jai, who owns the label, well, runs the label with, with um, sort of Peter. And... Um, and he was like, yeah, you made a good impression. And by the second gig, it was like, fucking hell, yeah, you're good. And then by the third gig, it was like, yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd really like to sign you. So it was great. But we'd, I'd done a song with him on that tour as well. Um, one of the positive differences between the two is uh, I've got total control over everything. Yeah. So there's, there's, um, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things that sort of Peter said to me when we first signed, he was like, if you want to come to the label, you can release whatever you want. You know, you decide on your artwork, you're deciding on this. You're de- we're, we're here purely to get the best out of your idea. Do you know what I mean? Whereas there's some labels that are like, they're there to make your idea. Do you know what I mean? And then you've got to get the best out of their idea. If that makes sense, that's a good way to turn it around. Um, so I've got total freedom and control over everything. So for the album that we've just recorded, debut album, Waiting for the Rain, um, See, I chose all the songs. I think we had a little bit of back and forth on one or two of them, but you know, 90% of the songs on the record are the ones that I put 
put and things so chose originally um i've chose the artwork i got to work with a producer that i wanted to work with i got to work where i wanted to work when you know it was the dates that i chose so i've got a lot of respect and a lot of admiration for strap in that sense that they gave us everything that i wanted you know it was um and then if it flops, then it's on it's 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 on my toes. You know, what I mean, I, I can't I, I can't I can't blame anyone. But yeah. yeah, it's it's a, it's a great label to be on, and it's um. I've been on two hours with, with with Libertines and with Peter a few times. I'm called for that man, and it's um it's quite a family run unit. It really is. So we 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 go on the sleeper buses and all that together. But it is it you know everybody, you know, and now you've got to meet Darren who does the marketing PR, but he's also you know, mm-hmm. the driver for the bus and it's like, you know, everybody's, you know, sort of mucking in. It's great. It's a great thing to be involved in. It's a good project. Yeah, it does seem that family. I mean, I've seen videos of the backstage, the Libertines and Trampoline together. And yeah. you'd look at it and think it was just one band. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Jack's been, because he was doing the Puta Madres stuff anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so Jack's been around sort of Peter for, for, for years, but he's, he's, he's great. He's he's a really really nice lad. I've got a lot of love for that guy. A lot of love. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, great. Every, every, everyone, everyone just gets along. Everyone gets along so well, and he brings his dogs on tour. That's the next question I was going to ask. How how do you cope with the dogs? I, I seen the video you um, playing your set, and the the dog was walking around the stage. Yeah, it was great. Bless him, man. He, yeah, he's, he's he's got lush dogs, but there's this big cross thing. It looks like a fucking dinosaur, man. It's huge, and they call it Gladys. Uh-huh. And um. And I remember I'd done a gig with him in Liverpool and I was going to join them for the next few shows after that. So we were jumping on the like bus and that with him after the gig. And I remember the dog just like growling at us. You could I could tell it didn't like us. <laughs> and I was absolutely shit myself. Like this dog's head's about the size of my waist. It's fucking muckle. So the dog's staring us down, and I'm going over to try and like think, right, I've got to spend you no know, sort of three or four days kind of sleeping beside this dog. I, I might as well let it get a nose. And I'm going to stroke it and it's uh, I'm thinking, fucking hell. In um, in Peter's wife, she came over and started speaking French to the dog. Right. Brought my face right over to the dog's face. It was like some kind of fucking. I don't know what the right word is, but it was like it was like something that a fucking witch doctor would do. Do you know, like the old spells yeah. and all that, man. And then like the dog was like looking at my eyes, and she was like speaking French to the dog. And then after that, it's been like my best pal. It's mad. So it's um, <laughs> the, the 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 dogs are insane they're so cool though man they're so so cool they're such they're such friendly such friendly animals well they are now <laughs> <laughs> um so talking about kind of obviously you said you you wrote your first song at, at 16 um how did what what do you think how how has your writing style obviously the subject matter at times can be quite dark obviously so how do you go about writing these songs? Because obviously the first song released on Strap Originals, the EP, I Don't Belong, subject matter's quite dark, but it's more upbeat in terms of um, melody yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, well, um, that, I, I only wrote that EP to shoot live anyway because I thought we're, we're going on stage and I was playing You Don't Belong Live but nobody knew the words. So they jumped around to the indie riff, but I kind of want the people to sing the back. So I thought, right, I'm going to do an EP, an upbeat EP, and then that'll give us the license to go and do some more of the melancholy Noel Gallagher type stuff, which is what I what I was born to do. I fucking love writing that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the, the subject matters, I don't know, I, I, I pull a lot of it from 
personal experiences in in, in people that's passed away and I'll, I'll not i'll not divulge on that too much yeah. but you know if you listen to four and a half percent that's quite sort of self-explanatory do you know what i mean say about my old man and, and it's in it and it's about alcohol addiction and you know the 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 trauma and the um and and the in the pain that leaves behind for for you know not just the son but the daughter and in in the in the mother of your kids and all that kind of stuff so everybody's affected mm-hmm. so i pull a lot of stuff from that kind of you know, subject matter, and like you don't belong. You know, there is lines in there that are, le- in, you know, leaning towards someone taking their own life. Uh, and you know, like, do you think this is easy? What I'm pulling from my heart, you know, it's it's about finding it difficult to express how I'm feeling. Do you know what I mean? But then you stick an indie riff on it, and you get kids jumping around to it. Do you know what I mean? Which I think is the there's, there's no there's no coincidence that that song at the minute is being. Uh, streamed the most compared to any of my other songs, and it's like it's night yeah. and day. We we stream okay, right? We, we there's 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 people who stream worse, and there's a lot of people who stream a lot sort of better. But that song, streaming wise, does better than all of my other stuff, and it's because you've got a subject matter which is so harrowing, but then you've got an indie riff which kids can jump around to. Do you know what I mean? So you're playing on 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 all of the sort of demographics. So yeah. I need to do more of that type of stuff. Um, it it yeah, definitely it turned me on to you. I mean, I, I was aware of you and I, I like your music. Um, I've been a fan of you for the start, but I think I've seen you playing that on Soccer AM and mm. I thought that's totally different and it's kind of taking it to the next level. So uh, obviously every time you release a song, obviously you're, you're winning over more fans. Yeah. Yeah, which which is great because there is bands out there, and I'm not going to name a few of them, but there's some people on there that are, um, you know, that that that, that trying to change their sound and all that kind of stuff, and it and, and it doesn't work. So what I'm trying to do is, you know, not necessarily change my sound or anything like that, but I, I always want to be seen as getting better. Do you know what I mean? So if the next single isn't as good, if not better than the previous single, then it's not going out. So like. The single before you don't belong was memories, which is um, you know a lot slower down, and and, and again mm-hmm. it's you know, subject matter and all that kind of the big anthemic song. So I thought, right, well, how can we add something to to memories to pick up more fans? You know what I mean? So it was a conscious decision, and then you know playing you don't belong. I think that's the only option for a sort of show like um, uh, Sucker M. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh- I mean, like, you've toured with the K's, Sherlock's, Noel, Peter, even Paul Weller. So, I mean, again, you've only been gone seven, eight years, and to be sharing a stage with some of these legends, um, it, it must be mind-blowing. Um, but what what have you com- got coming up next? Obviously, you've just brought it four and a half percent. What's coming up next? Obviously, I know you're going away because this is... The last day I've got to record with you. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. I'm, 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 I'm on that plane. Come six o'clock in the morning. But um, yeah, it, it's only been five years. It's only been five years we've been going for. So it's pretty insane. Right. And 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 two of those years have been have been in lockdown as well. But yeah, listen, I've met so many of my heroes, so many of my idols. If I was to wake up tomorrow, 
and my voice doesn't work anymore and I lost my hands and I couldn't play the guitar, I'd, I'd be content with what I've achieved so far. Do you know what I mean? I'm immensely grateful to everybody that supported us and yourself. You know, people have been here from day one, people who are just jumping on board now. I'm grateful to everyone because without those people, and it's such a cliche thing to see every musician fucking says it. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. But it's such the truth, you know, and, and, and if I can express a little bit of gratitude to, to everyone, then... Um, you know, I, I absolutely will, whether it be on stage or doing podcasts like this. What is coming up next is I am going to America tomorrow for two months with Louis Tomlinson. So we're doing biggest shows I've ever done in my life. Again, mm. so grateful to Louis fans and Louis. He's a fucking dude. Um, so we're doing like Hollywood Ball in Forest Hill Stadium. Uh, it's just going to be insane. We're playing LA and Vegas and all over so that's going to be ridiculous when i get back we've got another big thing to announce which i can't say just yet um but that's going to take us somewhere else for another fair few weeks and then when i get back from there i've got my uk tour so tickets on sale for that so that's up and down the uk and ireland um finishing the city hall in Newcastle. the first night sold out we're just working on the second one on the 16th of december and then we've got an album coming out in september as well Waiting for the Rain, that's going to be the debut album. Next year, will be more of the same. Loads of tours. I think I'm going to be recording yeah. the second record next year. And we're just going to keep on trying to build on, you know, this little bit of momentum that we've kind of found myself coming across, you know. I think um, we're gigging an awful lot. I'm working so hard. Everybody behind the scenes is working so hard. You know, we're, we're really, really trying to make this, you know, turn into a good goer. Um and I think the key word for it's just graft, you know, just keep on working hard and keep on pushing. And, and, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. So for the next 18 months to two years, I'm just going to be nonstop, absolutely nonstop. Another record will be getting written, um, more gigs, more tours. Hopefully get to go back out the States next year as well, if, if we can pull in enough fans this year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we're in a good place and we just got to keep this momentum going, I think. That, it seems to be the way to go with us as well. Obviously, like you're going to tour with with Louis Tomlinson, obviously, it's kind of a different style of music. Um, my pals, Mark, Mark Sharp and the Bicycle Thieves, they're just back for a, a European tour with Louis Capaldi. Again, totally different styles, but I mean, they all grew up together, Mark and the Snuts and Louis all come from the same area. And they look out for each other and they take each other on these shows. But... Obviously, the, the fans at Mark Markley won for going on tour with uh, one of the biggest pop stars, and I'd imagine that's going to be the same for yourself. Um, do you, will you notice, like in the next two months, that like, a kind of spike in new fans coming in? Uh, I've, if 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 we if if we do well, then a hundred percent. I mean, we played, we've done a gig in Shepherd's Bush Empire with Louis, and um, and it was just the the. It all started through that Soccer AM thing. Louis much must watch it every Saturday and he's seen me performing on it and he followed us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now, Louis' fans are that dedicated that they even watch who he follows. So all it took was Louis to follow me on Twitter before I was tagged in hundreds and hundreds of things of who's this Andrew Cushion Louis just following. And it was pretty insane. You know, it was a mad day. And then when we got the Shepherd's Bush Empire gig, um, we played outstanding. I couldn't have been proud of the boys that day. And the social increase was just fucking manic. It was just ridiculous. When we've announced this US tour, the socials have virtually doubled again. So there's absolutely no reason why if I do a good good, good two month here, you know, we could we could see some serious in, like serious increases. Um, 
it's such a pain for me to say that that's such an integral part of music now, you know, because when you go back to to to, to my original heroes who were talking about the start of this, Paul Weller and all that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, who, who yeah. cared about a fucking, you know, social media presence back in them days? I mean, there wasn't one. Um, so it's such a shame now that it's such a big part of, 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 of music, you know, but equal to that, you've just got to join them, haven't you? You've, you've, you've got to join the rest of them. So if, if I can get some serious numbers on there, who knows, it might increase ticket sales and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So it's all, it's, it's, it's all, it's all benefiting the, 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 the greater cause of, um, being a millionaire and owning a chimp <laughs> and living out in LA. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does all seem to be fitting into place, obviously off the back of this and then the album coming out and then the tour I'm coming to see you um, in Glasgow it'll be the first time I've seen you live so I'm really looking forward to it and it's a cracking venue St Luke's yeah I've been there three or four times in the last couple of months seen different acts so it's it'll be perfect for you and yeah mate yeah. Um, so I so album at September tour coming every day that's watching that's buy tickets Um. I'll post all your socials and all that in the description. But if you want to, if you want to tell people where they can get you as well, just yeah, yeah. So it's um, andrewcushion.com, I think the website is. I don't know. I didn't fucking make it. But if you just Google yeah. my name, if you Google my name, there will be somebody selling tickets. I'm sure there will be. The best way because they're fucking not sold out. <laughs> yeah. Um. So last bit of the podcast, obviously, the the podcast we called Time for Heroes. Um, and I know you've I told you this at the start, just so you get a wee bit of time to think about it. Time for Heroes, we asked for four heroes to come for dinner. Why why you consider them to be your heroes and what you would cook them? Oh, Christ. Right, I'll cook them as well. Right, this is going to take a bit of thinking, isn't it? Um, let's uh, go with Paul Gascoigne. Because he... Um, he, he he's yeah he's absolutely my hero. I just I loved I loved the epitome of of um you know football and stardom, uh-huh. um and obviously it's a tragic story as well. But I've always loved Gaza. Absolutely always loved Gaza. He's he's definitely a hero of mine. Um yeah, so I'd bring him probably for the stories. Have yeah, some so fucking good stories. Him, he's, he's, you couldn't have shot him up though. Nah, but yeah, but I quite like that though because I, I I talk a lot as well. So I could do with the rest, and then when he needs a rest, I'll take over, you know. So he'll have some good stories. I'd bring him. Um, who else would I bring? I'd probably have to bring Noel Gallagher. Um, just to fucking, I've 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 never seen him pissed yet. I've never no. seen him pissed. Nah, he's seen me fucking hammered. We'd done a gig in Newcastle, and it was rock and roll circus, and I got fucking leathered. And we played with him in Wales the night before as well. And he, uh, I think he dedicated a song to us and everything. It was such a fucking special night. But um, the, the the show in Newcastle, I was proper, proper trolleyed. And nobody had any glasses. So I was walking around drinking beer out of a, um, out of a, like a tea mug. Like yeah. corn painted with tea mug. Um, just fucking shouting obscenities and just hammered. But yeah, I'd quite, yeah, I'd, I'd invite him because I like to see him pissed anyway. The other two... The other two, the other two. Let's have a think. Let's have a think. My hero growing up, um, footballing hero was Shea. Shea, Shea I can't speak. Shea Given. <laughs> Fucking hell. 
because yeah, so he he was he was my hero at, at, at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to bring Shea Given. I met him for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't even fucking speak. It's ridiculous. I've met all my musical heroes, but then when I go and meet my footballing hero, I was just I was like a teenage girl. I just yeah, froze at his feet. That's the thing, isn't that the football. It's that. It is. Man. It is. I, I went over, and I was like, "You alright, mate?" And he was like talking away. It was, and I couldn't bring myself to say, "Can I have a photo?" But you could see that I wanted one. So he'd done the gentleman thing. If he went, "Would you like a photo, son?" I was like, "Yes, please." Have it. Uh, yeah, so I'd bring him. I'd ask him to bring his gloves as well. We'd have a bit of a kick about in the garden. So yeah, she yeah. given, she given Noel Gallagher, Paul Gascoigne, and the last one. Um, uh, I'd want someone fit as fuck. Let's try and think. I'd want a really fit actress, just someone to look at. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. someone to look at. Uh, <laughs> Emma Watson, something like that. <laughs> bring, yeah, bring someone like that. Um, and what would I make them? I'm pretty good at cooking steaks, like so I could do I could do some filet mignons and all that. I pretend yeah. that I know what I was doing, yeah. Um, and you can you can drink a load of red wine when you're having steaks as well, and I do like some red wine, yeah. So I'd say I'd 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 cook some steaks, bring loads of red wine, have Gaza tell some football stories, get Noel pissed, have a game of kick-ups with Shea Given, and then. Try and get with Emma Watson, <laughs> and then fuck off home. It's a, it's a good bunch as well. I think they would all work well together as well. Obviously, yeah, I you, think they would. Uh, the Man City connection as well. For yeah, so. yeah, that's it. You got the Man City connection. Yeah, and yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? So, obviously, I mean, just before we go, obviously you mentioned got the footballers there, and um, she Gavin. Obviously, am I right in saying that that's the position that you you played while you're goalkeeper? You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was I was a keeper ever since watching him. I remember the first game we were playing. Uh, I think we were playing Stoke City at home, and I I, I went with my father. I was sat in the level seven at St James's in um in in I and just watching Shane, just how he was controlling his box. I thought I'm quite a loud mouth as well. I'd be pretty good at that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was thanks to him. Thanks to him. A good boy as well. He started at Celtic. He never played a game for us, but um. Um, a good, a good player, and yeah, that, that kind of leads into obviously the other man, Gascoigne. As much as he's a a brilliant player, a brilliant talent, and that, I, I kind of want him for his Rangers connection. Oh, very Rangers connection, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I was, I was, I should have asked that before before we started the interview. I should have said if you're green or blue, but um, nah, he's he's an absolute hero of mine, man. I, I, I think he's great. He's he's one of the probably one of the few people that I'd, I'd really really like to meet. Really like to meet him. Hmm. The other thing with that as well, how do you how do you feel? Um, are you happy with the manager Eddie Howe? Because obviously, oh, he's um, been ridiculous. He's, he's been listen, Eddie Howe has been Newcastle's greatest signing, or at least hmm. one of. He's in he's in the top three. Do you know what I mean? He's um for all the flack that Newcastle got, and some of the Newcastle supporters gave as well, mind you. When we went in with Eddie Howe, because uh, everyone wanted either wanted Gerard or they wanted Conte or someone like that, and it, you know he's just he's absolutely worth his weight in gold. I think he's definitely earned his stripes. Mm-hmm. So one, he's kept winning the league, but then the fact that we've got a Champions League place, man. I mean, next year, next next season, even St James's Park is going to be an absolute fucking carnage nightclub. Fucking, I can mind those nights. Yeah, well, I, I mean, when I was younger, um. 
I used to have a soft spot for Newcastle. And I can mind the games against Barcelona when I spring, yeah. was playing and all that. Yeah, so, that's it, man. Um, that would be brilliant for Newcastle. We had a night's back. Um, obviously, two years ago as a Celtic fan, we spent about fucking six months chasing Eddie Howe. Yeah. Um, and then ended up at years and we get we get our manager now, he's fucking away as well. We we're we're doing this every two years looking for a new manager. Yeah, it's a bit of a mad thing. I'll tell you who else was one of my heroes when I was growing up. Uh Joe Joe Hart. Right. He's he's at your boys now, isn't he? I didn't yeah. realise how tall he was. I, I, I met him in a um we're doing this thing for one of Noel's guitars at, at, at Gibson in London. And we uh we, we went in and and lo and behold, Joe Hart was there and he's fucking he's a he's a big fella, like isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's a big fella. But yeah, he he was a he was a big hero. He 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 fell off the boil, didn't he? He fell off the boil big style. Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of he's done as a job up here, but I don't know, I don't know going into next season. I don't know. I, I I'd like somebody a bit better in goals now. Yeah. Uh, for if I make a stab at the Champions League next year, I'd, I'd like somebody a bit more reliable. Yeah. Um, well, you you had a great keeper when uh, Fraser Forster was there. Yeah, again, I guess. Should I never let him go. He's, he signed to, we signed him three times, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before you before you went to Southampton, signed him. Aye, um, aye, big guy. Brilliant saving penalties as well. We we kind of been blessed with good keepers throughout the years. You know, what I mean? yeah. Before that, we had Arthur Boric. He ended up at Bournemouth. I we've, we've had some good keepers. But to be fair, we used to always have great keepers as well. But I used to always put it down to the fact that we used to be so poor, you know. So they used to get the most training. <laughs> they end up making about so fucking fifteen saves a game. What keepers did you rate? I can mind like Pavel Sernacek. Oh, big Pav. Pav was class. Um, I didn't mind Tim Crew. To be fair, I thought Tim Crew was great. Um, obviously Shea Given was my hero. I thought Carl Dollar was okay when he went, when he played that season in the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Nick Pope has been the best keeper that we've had since since she. Um, I mean, there's been a couple of poor ones as well, but I'll not bother naming them because yeah. uh, just in case I, that, that there's any of them watching. <laughs> well, that's us, man. You, you gave us a good um, a good bit of time there, and obviously, you get parting today and stuff like that for America. Yeah, um, that's it, man. It's, it's getting exciting now. Yeah, I wish you all the best, man. I hope it. I hope it's a blast for you, and I hope um, all goes well with the album coming out, and I'll see you in Glasgow. Um, but I pleasure having you on, Andrew. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. It's been much. good fun. It's been good fun. Um, yeah. I I'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, stay in touch. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes Podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes Podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly, enjoy.